Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Well, today we are going to talk about um, an opportunity. We all have opportunities in life, but one of the opportunities that we don't always recognize as an opportunity is adversity. And, you know, we live in a world right now that is in crisis. How many can attest to that? You know, all over this world, there are calamities and disasters and wars and terrorist attacks and all kinds of stuff and I'm not here to depress you I'm just here to tell you there is hope and that there is victory and we can be overcomers and that we are not of this world we're in this world but we're not of this world but we have to understand how do we navigate through adversity and end up with the opportunity end up with the victory end up where we're in a place of great joy great peace great love and all that God has for us because you know this world is in crisis I believe that Um, The Bible tells us that in the last days, the world will be like a woman in labor. And there's labor pains. And, you know, it almost seems like the world's in labor right now. And so we, we see that when labor pains come when you have a baby, you know, they start out not too bad in the beginning, you know, and then it increases and increases and increases until you give birth. And, uh, but we know the, the biggest thing and the good news is Jesus is coming back, right? And he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. And that's our hope. That's our faith. That's what we believe as Christians. And, uh, and that's a, that's a promise from the word of God that he would do. Now, we're going to talk, though, because adversity comes in our lives. And it comes in many, many forms. And, you know, we can have serious adversities that are really life-threatening and dangerous, just like we had the shootings in Las Vegas and, you know, some of the flooding and the fires and all of the things that are going on. Um, those are those are major crises. Those are things that are, are devastating. Um, we were just with some friends when we were down with Bishop Tony Miller, some friends of ours, pastor of Church in Miami. And they went without electricity for 10 days or 11 days. And um, I asked them, you know, how did you manage? How was that? What was that like? And they said the first few days wasn't too bad. But then it really gets to you. And, uh, you know, and what's in you begins to come out. And so we're going to talk about that because what's inside of us that comes out when we're in adversity? We need to recognize that life in this world, because this world has fallen, it's under a curse, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and there are so many things that happen all around us that bring adversity into our lives. But we, with our faith and our trust in God, can rise above that adversity and enter into a place of great joy and peace and hope that only God can provide for us. But many people don't get to that place because they don't understand how to, or maybe they don't even realize that they can. And so we want to talk to you about that today because this is so important that we understand this because there is no escape adversity in this world mm-hmm. it's going to come one way or the other now I'm going to talk bring it down to earth because I know there's people in this room that you've been through some serious adversity and maybe you're in some serious adversity right now in situations maybe you have a prodigal that you're really concerned about or maybe you're in a financial crisis or a health crisis or you know some kind of devastating thing going on in your life maybe you're grieving because you lost a loved one and whatever it is God is your answer he is your hope he will help you and I know that sounds almost cliche but it's true and it works when we really understand how how do we get to that place where we can have joy in the midst of a storm where we can have hope where we feel hopeless where we can have peace where we feel turmoil and worry and anxiety and God promises us these things but we need to know how do we apply that how do we get that in our lives and in our hearts now every day we go through stuff and you know when you exercise in a certain area um, and you practice something in a certain area you get stronger as you do it on a regular basis and and it's that principle applies to every area of our lives and so you know I'm going to give you an example of where we often experience uh, adversity and that's in our marriages fear a few little chuckles here and there everybody happy we all have times in our relationship with our spouses where we don't agree and we have conflict and sometimes we don't deal with conflict really really well sometimes we get into fights or arguments or say things we don't mean uh sometimes you know some people might be really good at conflict and you know they know how to do it right and that's great but regardless of how good you are at conflict you will have some days where you just lose it 
right? Be it's honest. quiet in here. I mean, people are just looking at me like, where are you coming from? Uh, you know, <laughs> and, um, but we all have conflict and, and sometimes it can be a little thing that can trigger us to an explosive argument that's so ridiculous and we end up saying and doing all kinds of bizarre things and then wonder what the heck, where did that come from? And it could be over something simple. So what we have to realize is there are things going on. Your heart is the most important thing to God. And so there's things going on in your heart. And if our heart is not right with God, in that place God wants it to be, and if we, and we allow circumstances in life to kind of come by us and we just kind of push things down and we allow things to happen, and sometimes a lot of things happen at once, and so we're feeling a little overwhelmed and a little overcome by circumstances, and so we're just kind of pushing stuff down. And especially when you're a faith person, you tend to... Um, you know, just move on and do the right thing. But sometimes we don't deal with stuff properly. And so then all of a sudden, some stupid thing will happen where we go nuts. And it's really not that thing. It's what is inside of us. I heard somebody say, uh, one, of the, one of the things about adversity is adversity has a way of introducing you to yourself. <laughs> and in other words, it has a way of revealing to you what's really going on inside of you. And so we've got to understand that adversity is something that we can use for opportunity or we can allow it to destroy us and devastate us. And so when, you know, we're going to be in, we're going to be in adversity. We're, we're going to have those days. We're going to have those times. We're going to be faced with situations where we're, we could easily cave in to our flesh, easily cave in to fear, easily cave in to frustration and, and anger and resentment. Or we can look at, those op- look at adversity as this is our opportunity to grow in faith. This is my opportunity to see what's really going on in my heart. This is my opportunity to draw near to God. This is my opportunity to see that God's going to turn this thing around for good and and the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he overcomes, you know, he, he delivers us from them all. Them all. And, and the Bible says, count it all joy when we come into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of our faith works patience. And patience will have its perfect work, that we will be entire and complete, lacking nothing yeah. or no good thing. And so God has all these promises that he says, if our heart is right, and if we process adversity properly with him, that we will get victory out of it. We will go to a whole new level. We will have breakthroughs in our lives. We will have, we will be advancing. We will be growing. We will be maturing. And so we have to understand that adversity is an opportunity. But what do we do with it? And how do we handle it to be that overcomer and not allow it to destroy us or to get us bitter and angry and in and, and worry or anxiety or fear or hopeless or all of the things which the devil wants for us. And, you know, we've been through a lot of stuff. But if we, we have a choice, what do we do Try. with that stuff? You know, uh, around the Shemitero homes at times, there's been a little bit of fireworks. Nobody, of course, in this room would know what that literally means in there. It means when we're totally opposed and on two different ends of the spectrum, and sometimes that happens inside of our lives. But I learned something from a man that I respect very highly. His name is John Maxwell. Many of you know him. He's written an incredible leadership book. He's a leader to leader. So I've read almost every one of his books. I've read all of his uh, 21 Irrefutable Laws. I've read all the ones on attitude. And he's just an incredible author. But he made a statement years ago that really impacted my life. And, and he said this here. He said, success is not a destination thing. He said, it's a daily thing. He said, the only way to achieve real success is to do it one day at a time. And I learned that there way, way back, and it's really helped me in my journey. And he actually has a book called Success One Day at a Time. I don't think they have them in the bookstore, and I'm not here about selling a book today. But it's a book that I keep by my nightstand. It's a book that I take with me when I go to the washroom. It's a book that I keep with me because there's short little things that are in here that we can read, that I can read every day that help me. Rather than just uh, wasting time, I'd rather be learning and growing in my journey of faith out there. But he speaks of the habits and routine that we daily flow into. And we understand that our life, the habits established in our lives, will directly reflect who we really are and what we really will accomplish inside of our life. 
So he made a statement in here about six habits of highly defective people. How many know we all got defects in our lives? Okay. But how many know we don't have to keep those defects in our lives? And so he makes these here statements out there. He said, number one, they have a losing attitude. And we spend a lot of time on that whole area there. How many know you could have a good attitude or you can have a bad attitude? You can have a pessimistic attitude or you could have a positive attitude. You could have a winning attitude or you can have a losing attitude. And your attitude daily will determine the outcome that you have. So just develop that. And some of you, that's all it's going to take is a little adjustment in your attitude that can bring great dividends in the long haul. The second thing he speaks about is always growing. Why? Because if you're not growing, then what's going to happen is you're going to stagnate. You know, it's amazing when you study out the scripture we're dealing with within our culture today, the sodomite spirit is all permeating through our land. And we wonder how it gets here. Well, the Bible tells us the sin of Sodom was not what we would know as homosexuality. That was the manifestation of it. But the sin of Sodom was complacency, idleness of hands, refusings to reach out to the poor. Come on. And so what happened? The people became inward focused rather than outward focused. And then what happened? The enemy seated and got in in their lives. So we got to be people that are always going to be growing. If we stagnate, we're going to be in a downward cycle. And that growth has to be a determined thing daily. Third thing that he speaks about is people uh, is having over here, they have no game plan for life. In other words, they allow their vision to die, their dream to die. And the Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. So if we don't have a dream. <coughs> we don't have a goal. We don't have a target that we're shooting at on a daily basis. I like to say it this way. I call it the law of focus inside of our lives. Jesus said, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, his focus was not on the suffering. His focus was not just on the cross, but his focus went on the other side of the cross. His future is dream. And in, in life, if we don't recognize this, all of us have to keep the long-term focus, our long-term dream. What is it? My long-term dream is to have a spirit of faith coming into agreement with everything heaven is saying and everything heaven is doing, being in the right place at the right time with the right people and speaking the right thing. That's what my desire and goal in life is. And then number five, he brings it out out here. They're willing to make changes. How many know that in all of our lives, it doesn't matter who we are, it doesn't matter where we're on on the spectrum, it doesn't matter where we're at on the scale or the ladder, but really matters, are we making the necessary changes on a daily basis out here? Are we breaking the old mindsets? Daily we're changing according to the scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we're changing from glory to to glory by his spirit. Come on. It didn't say from pain to pain, but it says from glory to glory. We understand something in the scriptures that suffering is the pathway to greater glory. We don't like to speak about that in church, but the reality is you'll see 16 times the apostle Peter makes reference to suffering and 16 times you'll see him also make reference to glory. Come on. It's not by coincidence. It's not by chance in his epistle that he wrote that. Some of the darkest days in Peter's life were the seeds for the greatest days in his future. Come on. And we oftentimes don't recognize that, that these changes are on a day-by-day -day basis. The next thing is, is that we recognize is people that have dysfunctions or people that live with defective people. One of their habits is they don't take the time to invest into relationships. Okay? And if we fail to realize in this area, you know, the whole Bible is a book about relationships. How many know the Ten Commandments, first five all have to do with our relationship with God and last five have to do with our relationship with one another? It's amazing how many people say they have a good relationship with God, but they can't get along with anybody. And so Maxwell brings out about there the importance of investing into relationships, developing into these here areas. They take time. They take effort. And I'll tell you something else I've learned. They take a lot of place, a lot of faith, but your success in life will be directly determined to the investment that you make in to the area of relationships. A good book for all of us is one of Dale Carnegie's, and it's called The Win-Win. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. We've taken our staff through that there. And, and how many know we need to be a doers of what the Word teaches and not just hearers? 
And then the last one is the power of sacrifice out there. The habit of sacrifices and sacrifices, this will pay great dividends later on inside of our life. Many just want to live for it today, but I believe that it's important that we make the daily sacrifices necessary today that in our future will bring the greatest dividends in the long haul. If we live and make necessary sacrifice today, they will help you 100% in the long haul. So here's what I want to sum up with what I'm saying. All six of those all are developed with inside of our life through adversity. All six of them. Adversity in circumstances, adversity in life, adversity in our relationships, adversity against our dream and our vision. Adversity is the catalyst that will help speed up the process. And if we follow the scripture guidelines, it will cover and affect all six of these areas. We have seen the greatest growth in our life. We have seen some of the greatest relationships in our life. We have seen some made some of the greatest sacrifices in our life. And all of them came at the cost, if you want a tournament, of adversity. Adversity in life is what the enemy uses to present a crisis in our life, but God uses it as a classroom. What crisis are you facing today because it will be the springboard for you to go into the great things that God has in your future, and we're going to be hitting that this morning. Well, you know, crises, they come, but they come two ways. First, when you're doing something wrong, we can bring on our own crisis because we, we are doing the wrong thing. And... Both of the reasons we need to press into God, because if you're not living right or you're doing something wrong, you need to press into God, because if you're in sin or you choose to sin, you're, gonna, you're inviting crisis into your life. You're inviting adversity into your life. And, and it's not going to be, the good's not going to come out of it like it should until you repent and get right with God. So it's important that you're not causing your own crisis or your own adversity. The other way it comes is when you do things right. Adversity comes when you do things right. You know, a few years ago, God spoke to me to really increase the prayer in our church because, you know, the end, the end times are, things are happening and we need to be close to God. How many notice whenever uh, a crisis happens or a major event happens, everybody talks about prayer? And then after things kind of get back to normal, they stop talking about prayer. And, right. and it's true. unfortunate that in our, you know, in this world, the people of the world, they will want to talk to God when they need him, but not when they don't need him. And we need to be close to God all the time. That's right. On the good times and in the bad times. You know, they just had the uh, Las Vegas shootings. And all we heard on the, you know, on the news and that is about praying praying for those people, praying for the families. But you don't hear that the rest of the time. And, um, and so when we do things right, you know, there is an enemy out there that wants to kind of thwart what you're doing and discourage you and stop you from doing the right thing. And I remember a couple years ago, we decided, okay, we're going to increase prayer. We started going down to IHOP and learning some things. And then we brought them here and did the seminar in February. And I remember Corey Stark telling me, he was the one that led the IHOP team. He, he told me, he says, because you're going to be increasing the prayer in this church, I'm just going to warn you that all hell's going to break out loose here. You're going to be attacked. And that was in February. By May, it was like all hell broke loose. April, May, June, it was like all hell broke loose in the church. It was ridiculous, all the stuff that was happening. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of that was the enemy was trying to discourage The enemy was trying to stop what we were doing. See, prayer is so important. That's right. It is so important. We don't prioritize it enough. And, you know, we have two hours of prayer pretty well every day of the week now. And we encourage people to pick a day, to come by, even if it's just for an hour, half an hour. But it's so important that we pray now, not when when all hell breaks loose, not when, you know, we're in the middle of the storm. It's like trying to learn how to swim when you're drowning. It doesn't work that way. You are stronger when you do something on a regular basis. You are strengthened when you learn to pray and to read the word, to get the word on the inside of you. Come on, Kath. And when adversity comes, it reveals to us the condition of our hearts. It reveals where we're at. I'm going to give you some positive things about adversity. Now, these things... Can, these are adjustments we make when we're in adversity. But, you know, if you just do the right thing right from the beginning, you know, you're not going to have as much adversity. You might have the adversity, but it won't feel like <coughs> it because you, you understand it better. And one thing adversity will do is it will make you, it'll adjust your priorities. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, a lot of times we take things for granted. We don't appreciate 
things like we should. You know, a lot of people don't appreciate the word of God until they need those promises. Come on. It's better to just have the promises already in you because you never know when you're going to need them. I remember hearing a story years ago where there was a plane crash in uh, the Canary Islands where two planes collided together on on the ground and they both exploded and they were full of people and hundreds and hundreds of people died. But there was one testimony about a man that was on the plane who knew the word of God. In fact, he was reading the word of God when it happened. And and all of a sudden, fire broke out all around him and everybody was being burned alive and he knew he would die. But he knew this scripture and he started quoting the scripture out loud. He says, when thou walk through the water, I will be with through the rivers they will not overtake thee when I walk through the fire I will not be burned and he started declaring that word and the next thing he doesn't even know how he ended up he was out on the wing of the plane but you know what if he didn't know that scripture already he wouldn't have known what to say and so he knew it it was inside of him so Adversity will help us adjust our priorities. It'll give us appreciation for things we may take for granted. It'll help us examine our hearts to see what's really in there. It will draw us closer to God. I mean, just draw close to God anyway, before the storm comes, right? It opens doors of opportunity. It will give you more compassion for others when they're going through things. You know, when you, if you've been through something and you see other people going through stuff, you, how many know you, you're drawn? You have compassion and you understand what they're going through. And it will help you serve others and be a blessing to others. You know, um, I want to tell you a story that I remember years ago, somebody gave me this book, and I can't remember the name of the book, but it was a book written by this woman, Immaculate Elbagiza. How many have heard of her? I think you tore up the name, but it's okay. You've heard of her, I know. (laughs) I probably didn't say the name right. But... um, the book was about what happened to her. She was in Rwanda during the genocide in 1994. And she spent almost just over three, around three months, 91 days, in a bathroom that was four feet by three feet with seven other women. There were eight of them in this bathroom. And it was a pastor that was hiding them there. And he had put, a, they, the family had put a wardrobe in front of the bathroom door. So nobody knew this bathroom was there. And, and these women had to stay in this bathroom for three months in that, you can imagine three by four size, this tiny bathroom. And they weren't allowed to talk. So imagine eight women in a bathroom that can't talk for three months. If you don't that believe been, there's a God... <laughs> That would have been that would have been torturous in itself, um, but um, you know it saved their lives. And while she was in there, her whole family was killed, except for a brother who was out of the country at the time. But in the book, she said something that was to me just really profound. She said she had to keep, stay in silence, and obviously she's in these cramped quarters. And they had nothing. There was nothing they could do. And she said, so she started beginning to just pray inwardly to God and calling on God and developing her relationship with God mm-hmm. and closing out all other things because there was not much else there. And, and she said the intimacy and the level of joy and peace and knowledge and revelation of God that God began to reveal to her was un- unbelievable, she said. She said it was just so amazing. To the point where now she's an international motivational speaker and she's written numerous books. See, their opportunity came out of her adversity, right? But she pressed into God in her adversity and she experienced God in her adversity to the point where she said she misses those times that she had then. It's harder to cultivate when you have so many distractions. Wow. Wow. And one of the biggest distractions I know that I deal with is this. And, you know, there's so many things, and there's always more they're adding on all the time. Like, you have to go to Instagram and Facebook and, you know, um, I don't even know what all they are. There's just so many things. Twitter and, you know, your Yahoo accounts and your emails and your, you know, there's so many things. And it's like, it takes up a lot of time. And not only that, like, but I have my Bible in here, too. But a lot of times when I go to read my Bible, oh, I'm just going to check Facebook. I know you guys can relate to this, right? I'm just going to check my emails. And so you end up all over the place. And
And, and you end up like looking at this and, and you know, my Bible's in here and I use it to read the Bible, but I use it for so many other things text messages and, you know, so much communication and things goes on, which, you know, it can be good. But if your priorities are wrong, if your priorities are wrong, it ends up being a bad thing. And then when you're in the storm, are you really going to have what you need on the inside of you when you need it? Are you going to wait till the storm's all around you and you can't see light from the end of the tunnel? Are you going to be okay? Because the enemy wants to wipe you out. So we need to adjust our priorities when it comes to things like this. It's pretty good, Kath. That was pretty good. Adversity brings opportunity. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he said, A great, an effectual, a big, a huge open door has come. But he says, but there are many adversities. Have you ever seen in your life that adversity is the pathway or adversity is the springboard that leads you to the greatest opportunities that they have? Kathy shared about the five months, the first five months of 2017, and it was really very, very challenging in here. But in those months also, we had some of the greatest breakthroughs in the history of WCF. And oftentimes, we focus only on what's happening, the circumstances, rather than what God is doing behind the scenes and then on the scenes afterwards out there. Put back up, if you will, the book of James chapter 1, verse number 2. Again, we use the New Living. He said, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, he says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What does the word opportunity mean? It means that which causes favorable circumstances to come or to give you the advantage. If we understand something about adversity, if we understand something about trials, they are sent to break your focus. They're sent to stop you from change. They're, st- they're sent to bring you to a place where you get stuck. And God wants to bring you out of those air ruts. And I'm telling you right now, we've learned to see oppor- we've learned to see the opportunity in the contradiction, the opportunity in the adversity. I have recognized now after these 41 years that whenever there's pain, whenever there's difficulties, whenever there's challenges, whenever it just seems like she said, all hell is breaking loose, there's something that God wants to show. There's something that God wants to break. There's something that God wants to break through in. And if we allow ourselves to succumb to the obstacles, we'll miss the whole purpose. What I've learned is the adversary is the confirmation that I'm not out of the will of God, but I'm that I'm in the center of the will of God. When things are always going well, it's very easy to serve God. But when things are not going as well, when things begin to shift, and it seems like it's a dry season, it seems like it's an isolated season, those are the times that Moses, those are the times that the apostle Paul, to the very, very closest to God, not away from God. So we need to see adversity as the springboard that God's got something better. God's got something good. God's got something on the other side that we might not be able to see right now with our finite eyes, but with the infinite God on the inside, we're not just going to tap into it, but we're going to seize the opportunities, take the opportunities, grow from the opportunities, and see the God of the breakthrough come on every front. I've looked over many, many years and studied many, many lives. There was a bent, a sway inside me from a very, very young age to always help the less fortunate, to always help the one that didn't seem like they had a friend, to always go by the one that seemed like they were rejected or isolated. And I was living with a lot of that myself especially in the earlier years, and that's probably why there was a bent to try to reach out and help them. But I've looked at the people in life that were in those there things. I don't remember a sober day in four years of high school. I don't remember that. I'm not proud of it, but I don't remember that there. All I remember is hearing, you're never going to mount to anything. You're a loser. You're this, you're that. Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like this one? Why can't get kicked out of class and go to the principal's office? And then he was a goombati of my dad's. And he sits there, why are you like this way? Why are you this way, Richard? Why are you this here? And so all I heard was all of what I couldn't do, 
All I heard about how bad I was. All I heard about how I'm never going to mount. And then I found, then I found Jesus. Can you say amen? Then I got saved. And all of a sudden, something started happening on the inside of me that I was here for more than just a reason, but God had a purpose inside my life. God had a plan for my life, and I started hearing these things, but the old mindsets were still there. And so I took very, very seriously one of the early messages I heard about you'll never change your behaviors until you change the way you think. And I said, there's got to be something in my thinking that is faulty, and I started uprooting the old mindset. I started up uprooting the old patterns. I started adjusting the old attitudes. And I started excelling in those areas that day by day, and I'm not talking an hour. I'm not talking two hours. I'm talking eight to 12 hours a day. I bathed myself in the word of God. And I began to break the lies and began to break the enemy's lies. And then what happened? When adversity would start to come, I would start excelling when that pressure was on. I started excelling in the tight spots because I learned that God is for us. He's not against us. I learned that God's on our side. I learned that nothing's impossible for God. I learned that greater is he that's in me because it got the word deep down inside the heart and that's been the only stabilizing factor that has kept me these 41 years. Now listen, a child that was born right here on the other side of Sarnia, Ontario in Port, uh, Port Huron, Michigan was estimated to have an IQ of 81. He had withdrawn from school after three months and was considered backward by the school officials. The child enrolled two years later due to scarlet feeder and respiratory infections that he had, and he was going deaf. His emotional health was poor. He was stubborn. He was aloof. He showed very little emotions because he stuffed everything down. He liked mechanics and liked to play with fire. Anybody else there? Come on. He burned down his father's barn. He showed some manual dexterity, but he used very poor grammar. However, he did want to be a scientist and a railroad mechanic. Well, who was he? Thomas Edison, probably reputed the greatest inventor of modern times. That's where he was, but he didn't sympathize. He didn't stay in pity. He used what the enemy brought for evil as a Christian and sprung into the great things that God had on the inside of him. I'm going to tell you guys something. What we need today more than anything else is somebody to believe in us, and Jesus believes in you today. The Holy Spirit believes in you today, and the Holy Spirit is cut constantly downloading, constantly speaking, constantly encouraging. Have you ever saw and thought that the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of encouragement? The greatest encourager is not Kathy. She does very good in that. But the greatest encourager in my life is the person of the Holy Spirit today. Get to know the Holy Spirit. Get to hear his voice. Come alongside and watch the heaviness diminish. The second one. Is Johann Sebastian. By the age of 10, both of his parents had died. He was raised reluctantly by his older brother who resented another mouth to feed. Years later, he got married and his wife died after 13 years of marriage. Of 20 children from two marriages, 10 of them passed away while they were still infants. Then one died in his 20s and one was mentally deranged. Eventually, this outstanding musician, he went blind and was paralyzed with the stroke. Did the man forsake his faith in God? Absolutely not. Who was Johann Sebastian? His last name was Bach, the greatest composer of religious music in the history of mankind. Come on, church. The last one was a guy that dropped out of grade school and was homeschooled. He ran a country store but went broke and took 19 years to pay off all of his bills because he didn't want to leave debt and he believed in his integrity. But he did not pay them off right away. He had a law firm, but his partner ran off and left him with the debts. He was married, but his marriage flopped. His wife came down with mental illness and she was very paranoia. He had a son who was physically weak and died at a young age. And, and he ran for political office four times, twice for the House and twice for the Senate, and lost all four times. 
ultimately held an office, but was despised by over half the country. Satirists and newsmen derided him on a daily basis, and most audiences felt his speeches were very dry and boring. His class's speech was met with indifference, and who was he? None other than Abraham Lincoln. Interesting thing about all three of these men, they were all followers of Christ, they were believers, and they faced incredible adversity, but they all succeeded in life. Number one, because they didn't quit. Number two, because they kept the right attitude. Number three, because they kept growing in spite of all the contradictions. Number four is they invested in to healthy relationships, and they were not afraid to make the sacrifice. I'm going to tell you, the same God that pulled them up and raised them up, and we could talk about them a hundred years later, is the same God that's hanging out on the inside of your heart today. Your Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are ahead of you. You might be stuck today. You might be in the ruts of could have and would have and should have, but I want to tell you this God we know, he wants to pull you out of the ruts and put you back on a pathway and raise it as the highway going through the mountains according to the book of Psalms and set your course right, put your focus right. Too many have been focused on what happened yesterday or what happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago and you got stuck, but God's not a paralyzing God. God's a God that wants to restore the limbs. He wants to restore your life again. He wants to set you back on and get your focus back on. Some of you have been thinking on all the wrong things rather than the right one, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is King David when he was in uh, conflict with the Amalekites. And, you know, him and his men came to Ziglag, which was where they were from, and they had been attacked, and it was all burned with fire, and all their wives and everything were taken away. And um, it wasn't a good time for King David at the time. And uh, when they came into the city, they found all this had happened. And they were all, the Bible tells us that David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. In other words, they were devastated by what had happened. Everything they owned was burned and all their wives and kids were taken away. And then David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelite and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. So not only all that happened... But now they wanted to stone him because it happened. And so, but then it says, because, where was I? Because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. So in other words, David, he had the word of God on the inside of him. In fact, Psalm 119 says this, verse 143, as pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. So, so David, he started quoting scripture. He started speaking the word of God. He started strengthening himself in the word. And God gave him a word of what to do and turned the whole situation around. See, if you don't give up and quit, if you don't get hopeless and, and discouraged, you know, he didn't allow d- discouragement right. in. He rebuked discouragement from his life. And that's what we need to do. Joshua 1, I'm going to read verse 6 to 9. It says, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land on, I yeah. swore to the ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be, be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. In other words, do the word of God. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. In other words, when you're on your Bible here, don't start looking at other stuff. Stay in the word of God. Study the word of God continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God will never leave you or forsake you. His word remains true. It will not return void or empty, but it will do what it says it will do. But we have to be in the word. We have to know the word. We have to get the word in our heart. We have to make a choice that the word is alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword to the dividing of bone and marrow. And we have to use that word to cast down every thought and every imagination and every high thing that tries to take you out and tries to discourage you and tries to make you feel condemned or that you're no longer of any value. We have it. Are we using it? Are we using it? You know, sometimes though, we do go through things that really do knock the wind out of our sails. They do. And sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need to call on people for prayer and to call on others to help encourage us when we're down. 
even if you know the word of God, that sometimes things happen that are devastating to us. We need to be able to turn to the one who can help us get back up and move forward in what God has for us. Amen. The storms will come. The trials will come. Tribulation will come. But be of good cheer. He has overcome. And we are in him. Amen. We are in him. You know, a number of years ago, the TV show uh, called uh, America, uh, American Idol, there was a contestant, Danny Goki. I don't know how many of you have heard of him. But he was third runner-up in, in the year that he was in that contest. And he was a worship leader. And four weeks, though, before he entered the contest, his wife, who was his childhood sweetheart, she had been married to her for 14 years, she died. And he was devastated. He was devastated. He was in his deepest grief when he went into that contest. And uh, his whole story, he's actually written a book about his story. And, um, and I believe the book is called Tell Your Heart to Beat Again. I think that's the name of the book. But he also wrote a song called Tell Your Heart to Beat Again. And, you know, sometimes when you feel like you've been knocked out, the wind has been Come knocked on. out of your sails, and maybe you've been down on the ground and you've been kicked and you've been, you know, you can't even see light at the end of the tunnel. God has a word for you. And he's saying, I'm here for you. It's a new day for you. I will help you. Faith is the key. I will, I will help you. Don't be afraid. Don't give up. Don't quit. Trust That's right. him. And tell your heart to beat again. Our worship team is going to sing that song. Let's all stand up. And, um, you know, maybe you're in the midst of a trial. Maybe Faith you feel the like key. the wind's been knocked out of your, your sails. Maybe you have a child oh, that you're so desperately concerned about because maybe they're strung out on drugs or you don't know where they are. Maybe you just lost a spouse. Maybe your husband or wife left you. Maybe you just got bad news from a doctor. Faith is the key. Maybe you just lost a job. Whatever it is, whatever trial or adversity that you are in, God says, it's not over. It's not over. Tell your heart to beat again. Amen. Faith is the key to turn things around in your life. If you don't lose your faith, in spite of everything happening, you're going to be perfect, you're going to com be complete, and you're going to be lacking, deficient, and not one good thing. The reason the adversity comes is to destroy your faith. But I believe that he's not going to succeed in a one of you that's here or a one of you that's watching. Faith is tested and proven by overcoming the temptations the adversity, and the trials in life. Faith is shown by our works, corresponding actions in chapter 2. Faith is shown by our words. It's so important that you guard your mouth and you guard your tongue when you're faced in the midst of the obstacles and challenges of life. Because if you can say the right things in spite of everything going wrong, you're going to come out on the right side with God. Faith is shown by our unworldliness. We can't have a foot in and then another foot in God and think it's going to work out. Faith is shown by our patient endurance and faith is shown by our prayers having an effectual, fervent prayer life according to the book of James chapter 5. If you're here today and your faith is low, your faith is weak, then you've been feeding from the wrong source because faith is cometh, faith is awakened, by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Can you all say amen today? Amen. What do you listen to? What's going on? Listen to the words of this song and let a spirit of faith rise up on the inside of you today. Go ahead, Pastor Jay. Hallelujah. Great job. Great job. You're shattered like you've never been before The life you knew In a thousand pieces on the floor The world's fall short times like these And this will drive you to your knees You think you're never gonna get back To the you that used to be 
lot of grace Yesterday's closing door You don't live there anymore So say goodbye to where you've been Until you hard to beat again Beginning Just let that word wash over it's alright now Those healing hands have pulled you through So get back up, take step one Leave the darkness, feel the sun Cause your story's far from over And your journey's just begun Tell your heart to beat again Close your eyes Shadows fall away Step into the light of grace Yesterday's a closing door You don't live there anymore So say goodbye to where you've been And tell your heart to beat again Let every heart thought I want to leave with you today is the most important thing in your life is your faith. That faith can adjust the attitude. That faith can help you grow. That faith can take you out of a rut. That faith. I've learned about this God of the Bible that he's a faith God. Amen. Faith is not a concept. It's not an experience. It's not a movement. It's not a cause. It's in the person of Jesus. How many know in the Bible faith is what gets our prayers answered? Faith is how we resist the enemy. Faith is a weapon. We overcome the world by faith. We receive forgiveness of sins by faith. We're made right with God by faith. Spiritual death, separation from God is all overcome by faith. We purify our hearts by faith. We come boldly to the throne of God by faith. We have peace with God by faith. And we're adopted as his sons and daughters by faith. How many know he's a faith God? And listen, when adversity hits, the one thing he wants to steal is your faith. Tell him, no, I'm going to guard my faith. I'm going to maintain my faith. I'm going to speak my faith in spite of what I see, in spite of what others are doing, in spite of what I hear. I'm going to speak what God's word has to say because God's word is more real than anything you see, anything you hear, and anything others would say. Can you all say amen? Glory to God. Father, as we have the bread in our hands, we're reminded today of the importance of faith. And as you've told us, even in the parable, three out of four of the Gospels, how much Satan hates faith. And whenever faith rises, when other faith starts being activated in our life, we recognize that the enemy wants to steal it. 
before it gets planted into the ground. He says he comes immediately to steal the seed that was sown in the hearts. God, I pray today for everyone hearing by live streaming and everyone hearing the sound of my voice at WCF, that today they would guard their faith above all. They would guard their faith and guard their love walk because love, you said that faith is activated and worketh by love. Father, as we partake of the bread today, may a spirit of faith rise up inside of everyone here to see no matter where they've been in their past, to see the present that you have for them, to see the future that you have for them, and through faith, how they're going to break through to it. Father, as we partake of the bread today, release inside the spirit of faith in Jesus' name, Dad. And Father, we thank you that it was the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, and the adversity that he faced with the cross and taking on all of our sin. Lord, but through that, the greatest opportunity that ever exists came for every one of us, that we have an opportunity because of him and his adversity to know you, to be adopted into your family, to be reconciled and made right and have eternity with you. So Father, we don't take this for granted. We don't take this lightly. There was great cost, great bloodshed done so that we could know you. So Father, help us always to be so appreciative of what you did for us every day of our lives, that we will not take you for granted or your word or all that you have given us, your spirit. So Father, we take this cup with thanksgiving and thank you for all the opportunity that you give us to be overcomers because you overcame for us. In Jesus' name, amen.